Welcome to a special episode of our Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand series brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity. For more information on the Rainmaker Multiplier process and a list of all podcasts in this series, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. So welcome to another edition of Coffee Break with C2P. Um, again, my name is Kayla Mackey, Executive Vice President of Insurance Distribution here at uh, C2P Enterprises. That's quite a title as I say it out loud. Um, and I am joined by a good friend, colleague, mentor, uh, just an all-around fantastic person, Mr. Walter Young. And Walter, we're going to get into you know, how you help position life insurance in your, uh, you know, with your clients, with your prospects. Uh, but for those of you that don't know, Walter literally wrote the book on this subject. It's The Fifth Option, Walter, uh, author of The Fifth Option, also the, the name of your company, The Fifth Option. Um, and uh, we'll get into why you called it The Fifth Option, what that means, and, and kind of the meaning behind that. Uh, but first, just want to say thank you again for everybody attending today. I do want to do two quick plugs uh, just uh, on upcoming events for C2P. Uh, we do have our last uh, two training events of the year coming up. Uh, first is Bucket Plan 1.0 on November, I should know the dates, 10th, 11th, 11th, 12th, 9th, 9th and 10th. 10th. Dang it. There we <laughs> so go. November 9th and 10th will be our last Bucket Plan 1.0 of the year. It is virtual. Uh, registration links are out there. If you need uh, any assistance, please reach out to myself, Eric, a member of our training staff. We'll be happy to assist you. Uh, also, we have our Mastermind Collegium coming up. Uh, again, we do these twice a year. Uh, we have Scottsdale coming up here in December. Uh, again, I don't know the dates off the top of my head. Probably looked at my calendar before I did this. Uh, but December 2nd, 4th, 3rd, 4th, You're right on. Yeah. <laughs> Close enough, right? So December 4th through 6th. So uh, make sure you have those on your calendar. Make sure you registered. Uh, so let's get started. Walter, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for being here today. So uh, again, today's topic is, is, is how to position life insurance um, really into a financial plan, a holistic financial plan. Um, I'd like to turn it over to you and just talk a little bit about your book, The first, Fifth Option, uh, and then maybe kick off with, with how you uh, position life insurance to your prospects, to your clients, and why you see it such a valuable uh, addition to a financial plan. Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks for having me on again. It's always great to be part of this community and, and uh, always get excited for the coffee talks. Well, I appreciate uh, the invitation to chat a little bit about the book. So let me first start by saying that the book is really inspired by the work being done by Wade Fowle and some of the folks at the American College of Financial Services who have, who have published a number of white papers about how do we handle retirement in a volatile market. Uh, uh, you know, uh, an environment where we have no pensions, none of the safety nets that we that, that the past generations really had. And so what I really did is I took some of the concepts that, that came out of the white paper and just tried to put it into a story so that it was a little more accessible uh, for the average person. Uh, you know, I, I think actually Wade and I were on a, a podcast a long time ago where, you know, if you read his books, they're pretty meaty. It's like reading a, it's like reading a textbook. So I think it's kind of hard to access. So the idea behind the fifth option is that Traditional financial planning is leaving it short, right? So traditional financial planning is really about accumulation theory, a balance sheet approach, meaning save up as much as you can, and then hopefully somehow that turns into an income stream uh, when we get to retirement. But what people don't always understand is that volatility, sequence of return, some of these challenges that we talk about in the bucket strategies is a major risk that people have to deal with. And oftentimes financial planning deals with it in the very simple form of a safe withdrawal rate, meaning 
If you have a million dollars in retirement, you could probably access somewhere between three and 4% of that money. And that should be 90, 95% uh, probability of success doing that. The problem is that 3% of a million dollars leads to $30,000. That's just not enough money for most people. Uh, and so what happens then typically is the traditional planning approach would be, well, I have, I'm gonna give you four choices of how to improve that income. The first choice is you can save for money, which is always a challenge for the average person. And really, also, honestly, it's a lifestyle war, right? Between your current lifestyle today and what you hope your future lifestyle will be tomorrow, right? Remember, you're kind of, you're kind of, uh, you know, every dollar you spend today you're, is a dollar that your future self doesn't get to spend. And so, when you look in the mirror, will your future self look at you and be glad of how you, what kind of steward you were with your money? So, so saving is always one option. Taking more risk is a second option, right? Hoping to grow that pot of money from a million you know, there's something larger, but, you know, a lot of people are trying to reduce risk at retirement, not necessarily increase risk in retirement. The third option is that you can work longer, right? And so we certainly have clients saying, I think I'll work till I'm 70 or 72 or whatever that number might be. But the reality is uh, you may not, right? That doesn't mean your job will be there. It also doesn't mean your health will be there. It doesn't mean that you'll have the energy to do that, right? Even though we may say that that's one of our options. And the fourth option is a capitulation of just all right, I'll just start dialing back my life, my lifestyle when I retire, right? I just have to live on less at that point. But ladies and gentlemen, there's a fifth option, right? There's a fifth option that, uh, that I think is out there that most people haven't been exposed to. And that's really the finding behind what Dr. Wade Fowle talks about in his paperwork, which is if we can combine investments in actuarial science, we in effect can be able to increase or be, begin to develop a private pension system, which is not necessarily new, but I think the audience are, uh, you know, retirement people are ready to hear it again, where we can now, with the actuarial science, we can create stronger, more robust income streams that are guaranteed. And what happens is we move the needle from a three or 4% withdrawal rate to closer to seven or 8% withdrawal rates at the same risk levels. And as you can imagine, if you were to offer your client a $30,000 retirement option, versus maybe a 50 or $60,000 retirement option with the same dollars, well, they'll gravitate towards that for sure. And so that's really kind of the sketch of the book is to go through some of the numbers and some of the options uh, and, and you know, the different ways that we can incorporate actuarial science, you know, AKA insurance into our, um, into our financial plan. So we're moving from a balance sheet accumulation effect. You guys have heard me say before, a balance sheet approach is just BS, right? To a cash flow centric retirement system because at the end of the day, it's the cash flow that matters, not how much money you save. Fantastic. No, I, I you know, you, you and I have discussed this a lot at, at length. You know, I, it's interesting to me because if you go back in time, and, and I, you know, I had this conversation just a few weeks ago when you were here in Denver. Um, you know, we, people used to define wealth very differently. It, it was never a balance sheet. It was never about how much money you'd accumulated. Like if you go back and read. Uh, an old book like uh, my, my son was reading Little Women for, for school and in it, it talks about wealthy people, but the wealthy people, it's always defined by their level of income. So it's, it's the income that's coming in that determines that they're wealthy, not how much they have in assets. And, you know, somewhere along the way, pro probably with the advent of the 401k, I think we've lost sight of, of you know, that approach that, that at the end of the day, it's, it's really about the level of income you're going to be able to, to, to provide. Tammy, did you have something you want to add? No, no. <laughs> so I think that's um, absolutely right. You could have two people with a million dollar balance sheets and have wildly different incomes. 
And the person with the better income is more valuable, even though they have the same balance sheet, right? And, and there's corporations are in the same way. We, could, you know, corporations are fighting for cash flow profits, right? That's what that's what moves their stock prices, not just a balance sheet. So you obviously now some some of us in this room and me historically, I've typically used annuity products to 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 create that level of income. Obviously, you lean very heavily into using life insurance, specifically a whole life insurance. Can you talk a little bit about why why, why you think whole life is a great fit? how you kind of use life insurance as that fifth option for, for your clients and prospects. Yeah, sure. So uh, the, the reason I like to use a whole life insurance is, is we can utilize both the death benefit and the cash value for different strategies when it comes to retirement income. So for example, when I get to, when I get to retirement, the reason why a three or 4% withdrawal rate exists is because it presumes that we will have to navigate negative markets at some point during our retirement accounts. And, be, and we just don't know if those negatives will be at the beginning or the end of a retirement series. And so by using, having the cash value, I have the ability to take out money from a non-correlated asset during those negative markets. And so if I'm not selling into negative markets, I don't have to play by the safe withdrawal rate rule. And so therefore I can pull out a larger amount each year from my asset base when the markets are positive, and then I just balance that out with when the markets are negative from a cash value withdrawal. And I can get to a six, six and a half percent withdrawal rate with the same level of risk as a 3% withdrawal rate in the markets. The second option is if I don't want to be in markets, right? That's for people who are market centric. If I just want to, if I don't want to be watching CNBC during my retirement, then we'd rather just go travel and do something and have a set it and forget it mentality, then I can choose a potentially a SPIA, which has the largest guaranteed distribution uh, and uh, for retirement income. And then my death benefit is what protects the money that I gave to the insurance company so that if I die early or prematurely, if there's such a thing, then that death benefit will actually go to my spouse or my, or my, you know, my children. So what I like about that strategy is I get the highest guaranteed distribution there is in the marketplace. And I know that the money I give to the insurance company will ultimately come back to my errors at some point, right? So all the money I spent in retirement will eventually come back to them in the form of the death benefit. So the whole life insurance gives me multiple choices of how I might want to approach retirement income planning. And of course you could do a mix of the two, uh, but that's, and, and that's why I like the whole life insurance because it's guaranteed to, you know, once it's in place, it's guaranteed to grow there. You know, I don't have the maneuverings or the, you know, the different options like the index does. Uh, indexes or variable lives where, where the cash value is a little bit less known. Got it. So some more on the guarantee side, more more reliability, stability of, of yeah. returns, mm -hmm. um, more predictable at the end of the right. day is, is really what it comes down to. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that, that, that it's been out there a long time, this is an objection I've heard and I, I'll use my own. Um, you know, there, there's always been the concept out there of, of buy term and invest the difference. So when I started my career at Morgan Stanley, 20 one years ago now, uh, that, that was what we were taught, you know, buy term, invest the difference, buy term, invest the difference. Um, and it, it's still, you know, pretty pervasive, uh, pervasive idea out there. Obviously, you're a big proponent of, of permanent life insurance, but you want to kind of adjust, you know, maybe if that's come up as an adjustment for you with, with clients or how you kind of deal with that concept of, of buy term and invest the difference. Yeah, that's a great thing. You know, and, and that came about uh, when interest rates started going up and people realized that they could actually maybe earn more money than the life insurance uh, cash values. And so they separated cash value and investments at that point. But there's a couple of things to look at. It One is just from a just from a practical stance, people typically buy term and 
ever invest the difference, right? And so the problem is that they don't have that same kind of diligence of doing that. And so there's there's a lot of just real issues that gets in the way there. But I think what really I think is coming to fruition at some point is Wade found I keep um, and maybe we need to do a podcast of this actual paper he wrote. He took the by the he took the um, term invested difference approach where he took a couple that was max K's minus a term insurance cost. And then he went ahead and just and used that growth mechanism and then used the 3%, 4% withdrawal rate from that scenario to determine what kind of income level that couple might have. And then he compared that to someone who reduced their 401k contributions by buying a whole life insurance policy and then implemented the two strategies I talked about, uh, virtually a, a, a buffering when the markets are negative or buying an annuity for guaranteed income stream. And what the results showed is that the second and third options were far superior when it came to income. It didn't mean that they were gonna have a bigger balance sheet than buy term and invested difference, but they had superior income. And so I think we would argue with our clients that income is what they're after, not the balance sheet again. Uh, and so uh, I think that's really important uh, that we can take a look at that uh, and see that that's the income approach, right? Uh, and so I think, you know, that's that's the biggest difference. Why um, then one other thing real quickly is if we take a look at the opportunity loss of buy term and invested difference, all those term insurance premiums that you're going to pay over a 20 or 30 year period likely are not going to come back to you in the form of a death benefit because you'll probably outlive the term coverage. Right. And so not only do you have the term insurance lost opportunity cost, but you have the money that that term premium could have earned had you put that someplace that was productive and then. The bigger one is that when you do pass away, there will be no death benefit going to your heirs because you likely got rid of the term insurance. So there's an enormous opportunity loss that's never calculated in these conversations when it comes to buying term and invested difference. Fantastic. Um, so a couple of questions I want to throw at you real quick. Uh, so Tammy asked, um, what carriers are you personally using, Walter, for, for whole life? Who do, do you have kind of uh, you know, a preferential group that you like to use? Yeah, I think my two favorites are probably Mass Mutual and Penn Mutual. Uh, they typically have some of the best dividends uh, out there, you know, company strengths. The reason why I like each of those is one is a direct recognition and one is a non-direct recognition company, right? So there's some nuances that, that, that go with that. Uh, but those are my two favorites at this point. And, and just so you know, there are some challenges in the whole life space. Walter and I talked about this and we're working through this at C2P. Like the, the whole life world is built a little differently than like the IUL space, which was kind of built for the IMO channel, the, the independent marketing organization channel. Uh, whole life was kind of built with a more of the career channel in mind. So, you know, there, there are sometimes some restrictions in terms of what carries we can access and not. But, uh, you know, we're, we're actually working through that with Walter directly behind the scenes on how we can open up our product offering here at C2P uh, to have a better balance of, of both IUL carriers and whole life carriers. Um, at the end of the day, some people are going to prefer one or the other. It, it, it's not, you know, there's not a right or wrong necessarily, as Walter and I talked about. You can basically run an IUL and whole life almost identically if they're designed very similarly. Um, and so it, it's, not a, it's not a good or bad choice. It's just an A or B choice uh, and maybe a matter of preference for you, for the client. Um, this is another one. This came in from Eric. Um, this is, a, you know, again, kind of similar to what we just talked about with buy term invest the difference. And this especially comes up, I think, with the IUL market. But uh, a lot of people say permanent life insurance, whole life insurance, uh, IULs, VULs, just ULs in general are are expensive. They're expensive coverage. Um, do you have a you know kind of a 
response to that 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 or have you heard that with uh, prospects you've worked yeah with? that's that's everyone's conversation piece to it right and and the reality is simply this right again that's a balance sheet mentality which is okay yep there's there's going to be some front load costs we all know if you sold a life insurance policy you know there's some front loading of the cost you got to pay the distribution channel you got to pay the overhead the insurance companies don't break even for the first you know it's probably seven years of that of how that product works anyway so there's definitely some some cost up front it's a lifetime product right it is not a product that we want to view in the first handful of years for its production or its return its internal rate of return is always going to be somewhere between three and six percent likely over the lifetime of the product but again we need to evaluate the the what we're getting back in, from the dollars that we spend right I, I do this all the time which is i will compare someone's traditional approach which is probably a buy-term invested difference and then project out what their income is going to be at age 62, 65, and 70. And when we when we deploy some sort of actuarial product, whether it's annuity or, or life insurance, they will have probably somewhere between 30 and 80% more income. So the question becomes expensive to what, right? I, I would argue that it's, it's, it, it's expensive and it's going to work against your income if you don't have it, right? Because we're going to have to save more money to achieve the same income goals. So typically that expense conversation really is just some person who doesn't understand how they go together and is really just trying to steer people away from the insurance world, not necessarily what the ultimate income outcome is going to be for that client. Built on the foundation of the award-winning bucket plan process, Clarity to Prosperity's proven processes, training, and coaching can help you increase your revenue. If you are a growth-minded, independent financial advisor, you qualify for a free copy of the Bucket Plan book. Go to claritytoprosperity.com forward slash offer to get your free book today. That's claritytoprosperity.com forward slash offer. Now, one other observation I, I have made, and this is my biggest complaint probably about the life insurance space, um, and I know you and I have, you and I have had this conversation, kind of see these things very similarly, is, you know, there is a lack of transparency. And, and I think there's also lack of education with the, the many of the agents out there selling life insurance policies where they try to hide the cost. They, they don't put them front and center. They don't explain to a client while the first five, seven, maybe even 10 years, you know, they're going to see a lower rate of return. Um, in that cash value portion of their, their contract. They're not really showing them the reasons why. Um, you know, one of the things I thought that was so powerful that I had never seen anybody do, and I told Dave this yesterday, is, you know, in our, in our last MMC um, in Nashville, you know, Dave got up on the stage and showed how he presents Pack Life, for example, and he'll show his clients the, the, the fee schedule, the, the cost and expenses coming out of the contract each and every year and how it's highest early on and I think that's so critical so people understand, clients understand that five years in, you might be, you know, your cash value is going to be lower than the premiums you paid. That's normal and that's to be expected. But, you know, eventually it's going to shift, especially as you get longer and longer into that contract. So I do think there's sometimes just a lack of, of transparency and, and maybe even hiding a little bit behind, uh, you know, what those real costs are going to be up front. Yeah. And I'm never embarrassed to talk about the cost because of what the ultimate outcome is, right? And so you could show someone, you can have $60,000 of income or you can have 45. If you don't wanna pay the life insurance, well, it just costs you $15,000 over 30 years for the rest of your life. That's a bigger cost. Yep. And when you frame it that way, it's a very different discussion. 
Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you're a big proponent of the bucket plan. You have a whole chapter in your book about bucket planning. How, how do you fit life insurance into to your bucket plan uh, process? Yeah, that's great. So the, the bucket plan is an open architecture to some degree, right? You know, we choose what products go into the different buckets. What I like to do is divide the cash value and the death benefit up. They don't have to go in the same buckets, right? So for example, the cash value could be a now asset, right? It could be something where people have uh, as their working capital through, you know, they might be able to use it to uh, borrow against for put out a, a roof on their home or a cars, you know, it could be their rainy day fund that they have access to. It could be in the soon bucket where maybe you have an IUL where you actually are pulling money out of it for periods of time. And that is your, that is the soon income for it. Or it could be in the later bucket, which is, you know, I really want this to be a legacy tool uh, where, you know, the death benefit, uh, you know, and the cash value is something that I don't plan to touch. Maybe it's part of a trust. Maybe it's, you know, something like that. So, you know, so I I tend to, you know, decide when in my lifetime am I going to use the different elements of the life insurance. Uh, You know, I've had a life insurance policy for, you know, almost two decades now, and it's always being utilized in some format, right? I'm always, you know, leveraging the cash value. And so it's it's constantly sitting in my now or soon bucket in terms of where it sits. The death benefit always is later, of course, right? Because that's what's going to come, you know, down the road. Uh, but we can we don't need to be afraid to, to be able to use the cash value throughout our lifetime in the form of collateralization or the ability to access cash in a, in an emergency. Yeah, and I I know again I keep referring to Dave because I he 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 you know he has great ideas, but I, I know he uses his for an opportunity bucket for himself personally, and I thought that was a great use of, you know, you can use it for college funding, you could use it as an opportunity bucket. Uh, obviously, retirement income ultimately is the ultimate goal, but it, mm-hmm. there is a tremendous amount of flexibility when you have a a, a you know a, a cash value policy. Um, you know, as we kind of kind of land the the plane here and 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 start to wrap up. Um, I mean, from a from a demographic standpoint, from from a ideal prospect standpoint, do you do you have a kind of a sweet spot you look for? Who, who do you think is really a good candidate for, um, you know, the fifth option as you call it for for this this permanent cash value life insurance? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the things I love doing is is uh, working with folks who are in their like forty to fifty five range. Um, you know, the folks in their 20s and 30s, I I call it. You know, they got to get through some sort of financial maturity, right? You know, you get out of college everybody's buying their cars and they're, you know, they've had this pent up excitement to go out there and spend some money. But then once they start having children have a mortgage, suddenly their eyes shift to, you know, towards retirement. And now they're starting to get serious about what that looks like. And so when people are in their forties and fifties, you know, they're really, they have a lot of division of where their dollars go, right? I have college. I got to start thinking about, I do have retirement. I got to start thinking about my, my, I might be upgrading my home because I have kids now. And so helping them understand how they're going to choose the retirement income what their structure looks like down the road is going to be very helpful. And so comparing their options, I can max out 401ks. I can max out money in the markets. You know, I can see what that road leads to versus I can split off some dollars that goes into a life insurance policy that will give me more retirement options in the future is an exciting uh, place for them to start to see how this all comes together. Plenty of time for the cash value to grow, plenty of time to be putting money into 401ks and other assets. Uh, And so the question now is, you know, I kind of call it choose your ending, right? So when you get to the retirement, what retirement income choices are you going to make? Do you want to be a market only approach and, and be with at the withdrawal of three or 4% levels? Or do you want more robust income choices, right? And if that's the case, we got to pack some, some tools along the way with us, right? If you're climbing Mount Everest, you can't forget a certain rope or crampon because when you get to the top, it's too late, right? We have to understand what are all the pieces of this puzzle that I should be putting together now 
So I get to, you know, when I get to retirement, I have the ability to, to have the income that I want to have. Doesn't mean life insurance doesn't work for people in their 60s. We do that plenty, you know, that's more legacy planning, but, but certainly in that 40 to 55 range, lots of conversations that we can have. And, and the scary thing is the, the leading edge of the millennials is now in their early 40s. So, so we're now dealing with a to totally different generation. It was, you know, boomers, X, and now, you know, that, that is starting to be a millennial, um, you know, marketplace. And yeah. it's very interesting to me because, I, you know, it, there's a lot of studies that show that millennials are actually more conservative than most people assume. They, you know, they, they think they're, they're, you know, high tech, you know, you know, YOLO, you know, uh, buy, buy a billion Bitcoin, you know, like, you know, very, very kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, almost like, uh, you know, just, just trying to make it rich very quickly. Uh, but by and large, that, that's not true, at least in the most of the major studies. So I think there's actually going to be a lot of opportunity in the life insurance space, because I do think, you know, they've been through major recessions in their adult life. Um, maybe, maybe I need to do another one here very shortly. Um, so I think they're going to be more, you know, more receptive than many people think. And I think having those conversations, um, it's also a great multi-generational planning opportunity. A lot of us work with retirees, work with, with boomers, uh, their kids become great possible, you know, life insurance, um, you know, uh, prospects because like, you know, you probably can't move their 401k cause it's just still in their employer, but, um, you know, there may be opportunities to talk about how they're going to build, um, you know, long-term uh, financial success and, and using cash value life insurance as a piece of that. Um, we've got like four or three minutes left, it looks like here. Any any final questions from anybody in the audience? Any final comments from, from you, Walter? I, um, any Anything that anyone's been, been curious about? I have one final one if we have time, but I wanted to at least uh, give other people an opportunity to yeah, I think, you know, this, I think you said a really good point, which is this may open up new um, lines of business you hadn't thought of before. Uh, you know, you may have read the, the book, uh, Blue Ocean. And so, you know, we, we work in a very competitive field where we're oftentimes we're competing on a lot of the same kind of metrics. Uh, but I think when you, you know, when you think about life insurance, that's often an under, underrepresented uh, component of a financial plan. And if people really can understand how insurance and investments go together, it may open up a whole new marketplace for you. So uh, again, I wanted to say thank you all for being here for another Coffee Break edition. Thank you, Walter, so much for joining us, for, for uh, you know, sharing. And, and you know, I think you're a wealth of information. Uh, we're going to have you on certainly other Coffee Breaks, other events. I, I think a podcast with Wade would be fantastic. So maybe we can make that one of our next Bucket Plan podcasts. Uh, just want to tease next week's uh, topic is the, the new SEC marketing rule where you'll have our very own Ryan Warner and Matt Seitz on to, to discuss uh, what is going on with the new SEC marketing rules, uh, what you need to know. Uh, it is a big shift um, from, from you know, what happened previously. I know everyone focused on the fact that you can now use testimonials. Uh, but there's a lot that goes along with that. So it's not quite just as simple as, you know, putting your client out there saying, oh, this person's the greatest, you know, advisor since sliced bread. So it, there's, there's a lot that goes into the, the marketing rule. Uh, please join us next week for that topic. Uh, again, thank you all so much for being with us on Coffee Break. We appreciate your attendance. We appreciate your support. We appreciate your business. Uh, thank you to our wonderful staff for always doing a great job. Have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. Fabulous finish to your week. And we'll see you on next Thursday's coffee break. Interested in learning more about the topics discussed today? We want to know more about your challenges and priorities and how we can help build your custom roadmap to success. That's right, a custom roadmap built just for you. 
Schedule a free 20-minute consultation with one of our business development partners. Visit c2pe.info forward slash podcast to schedule a time that's good for you. That's c2pe.info forward slash podcast.